Welcome to the How to Be a TV Star podcast in association with Plop Entertainment. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to podcast number five. And the subject of this podcast is where do you see me? Where do you see me? It's a question I kind of, I asked when I was starting out in television and you're going to be asking yourselves, but Derek is actually going to explain a little bit more about that. But uh, before we move on to Derek, I'd just like to introduce myself. My name's Nick Piper. I've worked as a TV presenter uh, for almost 10 years now, both with the CanWest Network and other networks, and I still can't believe I'm managing to get away with it. Uh, I was untrained, um, very unskilled 10 years ago, decided to take the plunge, and here I am also as the head presenting tutor at the National Institute of Dramatic Art and as a co-founder of Plop Entertainment. Now, most of you know Plop Entertainment because you've been onto the howtobeatvstar.com website. Um, informing people of how to get into the business and how to make the most of it when they're there. And doing it with me is Derek Sue. Hey, Nick. How are yes, you? Yes, oh, I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, not so bad. Not so bad at all. Lots of information. My head's throbbing. I need to get it out. Okay. Well, let's get, let's get <laughs> moving. Now, uh, yep, we got, we're covering a vital topic today. Where do you see me? Now, what do we mean? Well, a common problem with aspiring stars is they often spread themselves way too thin by throwing themselves into everything without really understanding where they fit what genre, what network, what demographic. So let's find out how to position yourself or how to find out where you fit today and avoid this common and potentially fatal mistake. Where do you see me? Well, let me tell you one thing. This industry is far too big and far too vicious for you to simply walk through the door and say, I'm going to do anything or everything that you throw my way. As a TV presenter or an aspiring TV presenter, you are getting into a very crowded room. Well, the analogy I often like to use is you're running a marathon. There are 30,000 other people running alongside you. You have to find a way in which to get in front of that bunch. Now, believe me, if you walk through going, I'll do anything, it's very hard for an agent or a casting director to actually place you anywhere. At the end of the day, they're going to be selling you, you're going to be selling you, and you have to know what your sell is. So where do you see me, essentially, is about positioning and about cornering the market. In other words, fine-tuning your search for the appropriate presenting profile. So in other words, you turn on the television and you'll come across a wide range of TV presenters, ages, creeds, colours, the way they look, the way they act, their skill level, their expertise, and you need to find out what you are best at. Now, most aspiring television presenters make the mistake of, as Derek said, throwing their weight into every audition, tossing their hat into every ring. And I did mention in the newsletter that you would be wasting your time if you sent your lifestyle showreel to a news department. If you're a serious journalist, or at least have journalist training, sure, of course, that's where you'd, that's where you'd send it. When I started out in the industry, for those people who don't know me, I'm about five foot nine, and I'm fairly stocky with sort of sort of dark, olivey skin. Now, I threw myself into every audition, and I'd end up in car ads, or at least car ad auditions, with six-foot-four Scandinavian types. Now, I knew as soon as I walked in through the door, or at least through, as I walked through the door, that I was wasting my time. Now, I'm not giving up. There's a difference between giving up. There's a difference between being too nervous that you can't perform properly. There's a difference between um, not being ambitious. But an audition would take half your day and if I'm going to an audition where I almost certainly will not get it, that's a half day wasted. Now, the same is in regards to your search for where you fit. 
Now, the way in which you can determine where you fit can be done in the following ways. First of all, you need to watch TV. You guys already know this because you've been researching. But you need to find out not so much what you like watching, but where people, or at least the perception of you, is ideally suited. Now, we look in the mirror, and only we see us as us. In other words, I look at myself in the mirror, and I'm the only person who has that view of me. But other people have different views of me. It's important that your research incorporates a neutral observation. So here's something I want you, I want, what I think was probably one of the most valuable exercises that you can do. And we haven't been giving out very many exercises with these podcasts, but this is, a, this is an absolute cracker. Get a piece of paper, and on the top, write down, where do you see me? Go out into the street and walk up to 10 people, 10 strangers, and ask them, if you saw this face on television presenting a TV show of any kind, not acting, presenting, what show or genre or network would it be? And after 10 answers, sit down and actually have a look at what people think of you. Now, they haven't heard you speak, except for when you introduce yourself. They haven't seen you perform. All you're doing is you're pretending that they've turned on the television, they see your face, and that instinctual call that they make is the call which you need to be listening to. You need to listen to where these people see you because at the end of the day, they are your viewers. They're the people who will watch you. Now, I do this in my classes all the time, and I tell you, there was one particular example. The young lady who walked and she looked about, she was about 17, 18, blonde hair, down, to, down her back, she was gorgeous. Um, she looked like she'd walked off a, like an, a Miss World competition or Miss Teen World competition. She sat in front of the class, and I said to the class, I want you to tell me how old you think she is. And, of course, the answer was 17, 18. What do you think she does? And everyone said, well, she's got to be a surfer. You know, she was quite sort of dark-skinned. And maybe would be ideal hosting an afternoon kids show, maybe doing something lifestyle, outdoors, sports even. And then she basically turned around and said, well, I'm 23 years of age and I'm studying political science. I really want to be a political reporter. Now, I'm pretty sure that she's done her research and I'm pretty sure she came into the class knowing what she wanted to do. But her dilemma is this. Are people going to believe that she knows what she's talking about when she is delivering a political report from New York or from Canberra in Australia or from London? I'm not saying she wouldn't be good at her job, but the viewer may not necessarily believe it. And unfortunately, the viewer would probably be thinking, what does a 17-year-old know about politics? So finding out where you fit is confronting because it's often your physical look that dictates where you belong, but it's also your skill set. And find out that perception is everything in TV and what is the perception that people have of you. <gasps> oh. Would you agree with that? Yeah, look, I think that's, that is an important point. It, the, the important point is not – I mean, I think just in elaborating on your example you just gave there, um, I haven't heard about the story yet, so this is all new to me as well. But my, my initial thoughts were, um, yeah, with her look and appearance – it is difficult for her to deliver pieces on political uh, opinion or news. And I think, I mean, for someone, if she was, if that was what she definitely wanted to do and she knew that's what she wanted to do and that was all she wanted to do, then her task there would be that she would need to figure out a way of how she's going to be able to deal with that perception of her and how to change it. But if you, but if you're kind of like wondering, I could do this, I could do that, I could do that, and you, you haven't really quite worked out where you fit, and, um, and and then you get go out, do that exercise, you get the feedback, and, and then you can use that feedback and help you choose where you fit. So the exercise is dependent on where you are in terms of 
how well you know where you want to go. That's right. And another thing I need to sort of make perfectly clear is that this is actually a money-saving um, device as well in a way because if you're going to put to a thousand showreels together and you're going to send them out to everybody a casting direct will, will tell you this that you're wasting your time you need to be smarter than that because you just don't have the time to follow up a thousand showreels so you need to target a genre that you've determined through your research and finding out how to corner the market because you've developed a profile and remember that over five to ten years you actually change demographics and you change looks and you actually change profiles but it's just going to save you a lot of um, a lot of hard work. And the idea is that you target a small part of the industry and concentrate all your efforts and energy on that first, and then you can branch out. And if a 17-year-old who loves political science, the perception is that she doesn't know what she's talking about, as Derek, as you perfectly said there, she needs to find a way to do it. And that way, maybe it's simple as tying her hair up in a, in a bun or maybe wearing something more corporate when she's on you know, corporate wardrobe in terms of when she's... Um, on camera or doing her showreel. There are lots of ways in which you can, you can change that. But get out there, get out, talk to people, find out the perception. No good asking your friends because they'll all tell you what, they, you, know, what you want them to tell you in a way, what you want to hear. Um, hit the streets, find out where you fit. Where do people see you? Next week, we're talking about something extremely important, aren't we, Derek? Yes, we are getting into the juice of... Uh of how to be a TV star, and that's getting strategic and getting your game plan together. Now it's time for the Fact of the Week. All right, here we go. Podcast fact. You'll never see a Channel 1 on television. The reason for this is pretty simple. Years ago, Channel 1 was removed from all television use and reassigned its broadcast frequency to mobile radios. So that frequency is never used. You're listening to the How to Be a TV Star podcast in association with Flop Entertainment. For more information, links and resources, please visit www.howtobeatvstar.com. Okay, time for Reader's Letters. This week we have John Gordon from Auckland, New Zealand, who writes, My friends think I'm mad trying to get into TV. Am I? Well, John, I don't think you're mad. Um, I think we all have to be a little bit mad to get in this business, simply because, look, this is a business which is based on unpredictable hours um, and long periods of unemployment. Um, they always say that you can make a creative difference, but at the end of the day, time and money are the most important variables in this business. You have to get a job done quickly, and it can't cost too much. You have to be a little bit mad in this business because you're facing a rejection on a daily basis, and you're also dealing in a, a world which is a little surreal. One day you're walking down the street minding your own business. The next day you're getting swamped by fans who want your autograph, and you're on the front page of the TV guide. So... The madness isn't a bad thing. You just have to keep everything in perspective. I think that would be a correct answer, wouldn't you think, Derek? I mean, yeah, you, I, I are think you, do you think you were mad getting in this business? At times you go, what am I doing this for? Well, I think a lot of people think I am mad <laughs> for doing it. Yeah, here, I mean, here. I think here, here. I heard a pretty interesting uh, interview, not, with a, not so much with a TV presenter, but with, a, with an actor, the, the star of Prison Break, on radio the other day, and he oh, yeah. mentioned that you know, he realised how crazy it is to... 
aspire to be an actor and and as a result he thought he needed to look for something that was he needed to have something as a backup or something that was going to be more secure and and he actually spent many years behind the scenes working in the industry before he got a break as an actor he treated that more more as a hobby um i guess in that respect um I'm only mentioning that only because, you know, I think he, he recognised that it is quite crazy trying to get into the entertainment business, especially in front of the camera, whether an actor or a TV presenter or a TV star, whatever. And uh, he, he adjusted to that by making sure that he took care of his, uh, his, his finances while at the same time still pursuing what he loved, what he loved doing. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. And I think one thing you need to do is you need to de-sensationalise the industry a bit because most people consider TV stars and TV shows and the TV industry is just, uh, to, to quote the words of a, a presenter here in Australia called David Koch, he calls it a privileged ivory tower. And one thing that when you, when you look at the business from afar, you think this is just, it's just insane. It's amazing. These people do all these great things and they're on they get lots of money and they win awards, etc. They wear nice clothes. They walk up red carpets. They get the, to the front of the queue at a nightclub because they're on TV. They have got a profile. But when you get into the business, you realise that it's just at the end of the day, it's a you know a nine to five job. Although the hours tend to go a lot longer than that. But people are in there making a living, and it's not so mad to think that you're working in a business where um, at the end of the day, people get paid and people have to keep their jobs. But in terms of getting that first break, then yes, you do. There's not a, not a madness, but let me tell you, your friends will come home from the end of the day at their work and they'll say, well, look, I did my five list of things to do that I had in my post-it note. I had to change the toner in the photocopy. I had to answer all my emails. At the end of the day, they'll come home and they'll ask you what you did with your day. Now, you really don't have anything to show for your day because you may have phoned up every agency in town. You may have printed off resumes. You may have sent them out. You may have practiced your audition to a, a static camera set up in the corner of your room. You have nothing to show for it. So you have to be mad, I guess, um, in terms of actually assessing your day, your career on a day-by-day basis when nothing is coming back. The bank account is still you know, empty. You don't have your face on the TV guide. You're not swanning off business class to, the Bar- to Barbados on holiday or to shoot a travel show. You are just knocking on doors and you're, you're, your knuckles are getting very, very raw. Okay. Keep, keep it up, John. <laughs> Last bit of positivity there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, um, our second letter comes from Tiki Worth from Colorado Springs. Yep. And he asks, what kind of person is likely to make it in this industry? Somebody who's, who doesn't take themselves too seriously, somebody who's willing to work very hard, somebody who's also willing to be in an understanding relationship, I think. Now, this might sound like a bit of an odd thing to say, but you need to be in a relationship with someone who understands that there are a lot of pitfalls, that there are lots of things that you'll be going through where you can't um, contribute to the mortgage, you can't buy a car because you have no money coming in. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a person who can bounce back from rejection, but also a person who is quite willing to commit five to ten years of your life. So a very patient person, a very determined person, and a person who also knows how to measure their results. Now, if you've got a five to ten year plan, you have to be the sort of person who can interpret what you've done over a certain amount of time and ascertain the positives from it. Now, if you're without a job after a year, that doesn't mean you're failing. It doesn't mean that you're less likely to succeed, but you have to be able to interpret that information in order to make changes to your progress or your goal set. 
One thing that um, is Onion Media Group, which is a business associated with Plop Entertainment regarding video production, we produce a lot of TV presenter showreels. The first thing we tell people is that when you, with your showreel, you must expect people not to like it, but you mustn't ever leave a network or casting directorship or uh, an agency without getting at least a little bit of feedback or information as to why they maybe either didn't like it or they loved it. And all of that feedback that you gather, you need to put in your brain and you need to work out what you can use that is going to benefit you in the future. Uh, and the kind of person that exists in TV I've certainly found is a sort of person who's secure with themselves. Uh, I think if you have an insecurity about the way you look and the way you feel and wanting to be accepted, you won't last a long time because you're constantly being analysed and probed and uh, you live life in a goldfish bowl. So you have to be secure in knowing that what you do is right for you at that time. So two great uh, questions there from John and from Tiki. And uh, we always encourage you guys to send in or email us any questions. And if you do have a question, just email us, email us at askus at howtobeatvstar.com. That's A-S-K-U-S at howtobeatvstar.com. Okay, for those of you who have been listening from the very beginning, you would have known that we've had a special pre-launch offer for our How to Be a TV Star home study program. Um, over the last couple of months, we've actually completed the program, so it's now available, and we are launching it this month. So in celebration of that and, uh, and great relief that we've finally completed this uh, fantastic product, we're offering a special launch uh, offer. So just go to our website at howtobeatvstar.com and you'll be able to find out all the details about the offer and the products and how it can help you to fast track your success in TV. Well, that's it for another podcast, uh, podcast number five. I hope you're enjoying these because Derek and I absolutely love putting these together. They are great fun and it really does feel as if we can connect with our audience without sounding like a cheese ball. Um, thanks very much for listening. Good luck again with your TV careers. Um, put all the information you've read in the newsletter and you've heard in this podcast into action. That's the most important thing. From me, Nick Piper, it's uh, goodbye. And from me, Derek Sue, it's also goodbye. See you next time when we talk about your game plan. You've been listening to the How to Be a TV Star podcast in association with Plop Entertainment. More information, resources and links can be found at www.howtobeatvstar.com.